Amen. Let's pray. Father, it's so good to be in your house today, be having fun, worshiping you, studying your word, being with our, our friends. God, I'm grateful to be able to come to a house and there's a crowd and there's energy and there's excitement. And it's not for a football game or a baseball game. It's for you, our love for you and our love for one another. God, would you always, week in and week out, bless us with that kind of, of opportunity. God, I pray that our excitement and our energy is always for you. It's always in a way that honors you and exalts Christ. Father, we need your help in doing that. God, we thank you that we can enjoy ourselves and have a lot of fun as we're following you and serving you. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to be here today because we need you. God, I'm grateful as we bow and pray. Boy, we bow with, with all different kinds of needs and issues. And the scripture affirms over and over and over that you know every single one of them. You know what's going on in every heart in this room. And you know perfectly how to, how to move, how to encourage, how to answer, how to guide. And Lord, I would pray on behalf of all of us right now that you would do just that. Would you minister in each life in here today exactly as they need? God, we depend upon you for this. We trust you for this. God, we come now to a time in our service to kind of focus ourselves and devote ourselves to your word and to let you speak. God, we consider your word the, the high authority in our lives. We want to know because we want to obey. Help us in that. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, it is, uh, as I look at the different teams we're all wearing, it's pretty clear there is a real unifying factor in Jesus Christ. Because some of our teams aren't friends. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, now right in front of me, I got the San Antonio Spurs, and right behind me, I got the Los Angeles Lakers. Y'all aren't friends like on the basketball court. And, and earlier in the service, I had two Texas Tech Red Raiders <laughs> sitting right here in front of me. And I had the University of Texas over here, and all I could do is pray, Lord, Satan, get behind me. You know, I mean, our teams are not all friends, but in here we all are, aren't we, to the glory of Christ? You know, it's kind of fun putting this stuff on. I just knew waking up this morning all over our area, there were guys putting on their favorite piece of clothing in all the world, and they could finally look at their wife and say, Pastor told me to wear it. You know, what do I do? Now, guys, I'd be careful saying that because she sooner or later is going to come back with another sermon and say, well, when are you going to do that that he told you to do? So be, be careful how you use that pastor told me to do it type thing, okay? It is fun. I I, you're, you're seeing me right now. I love, I love putting on the colors. A lot of us do. We like identifying with a, a, a team, especially a winning team. I mean, you know, we got a lot of fair weather fans, don't we? You know, you look at the merchandise sales after the, the Super Bowl or the uh, NBA Finals or the World Series or a national championship. Boy, that team, their sales, they shoot through the roof. Why? Because I'm with them. I, I'm with the winning team. I'm, I'm with the winner. We like doing that. Now, we do have in America what we call the, the diehard fan. This is the person who, who dons the colors, wears the hat, puts the flag out front, even though their team loses and loses and loses. And I tell you what, and I say this to my, my fellow Aggies here, we, we played a team last night at home that were 20-point favorites, and we lost 
So I'm guessing this is going to be one of these diehard fan seasons that we're going to have in front of us. Not very exciting because I had a bunch of jokes planned about ECU and Virginia Tech. But I'm not going to use any of those right now because that would just sting too much. But uh, we, like, we like putting on the stuff. This, this is me. I've got, I've got it all. I've got, I've got stuff for the Astros. I've got stuff for the Aggies. I've got stuff for the Broncos. But I hope you know, I hope this, surprise, this statement doesn't come as much a surprise. These are not my favorite teams. My favorite team is Team Christ. It is the church. That is the team of all teams. That's my favorite team to be on. Now, now when I say church, I, I hope you know, right, right at the moment, I'm talking about capital C, big, big C church. That's the church that all believers everywhere of all time, they're all placed on that team. That moment you repent of your sins, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you, you are drafted, you are acquired, you are put onto Team Christ. And we are to evidence that by getting involved and being a part of, like a teammate, a good team member, we're to be a part of the little C church, the local church. In this case, Colonial Heights Baptist Church. Folks, it changed my life. To be acquired by God. To be drafted onto to Team Christ. And I'm telling you, I'm pretty excited and I'm pretty b- proud to be a part of the Little C Church, Colonial Heights Baptist. You know, we, uh, when you think about teams, you, you think about good seasons and bad seasons. You have ups and downs and, and you try to be proud of your team through it all. But you know, the same is true for the church. Church has good seasons and bad seasons. We have ups and downs. And man, we're, we're going through a pretty good season right now. We've had a pretty good year. I want to talk with you about that just for a second. We don't do this a lot in the, in the worship service, but I think every now and then the, the team should know what's going on, should kind of have a feel for what's been happening. I think we know it a, a little bit, but I want to talk about some of the things we see happening on our, on our team. There's a variety of ways you can look at that. One is numbers. Numbers are not always the most effective because you can have numbers and not necessarily be healthy. But that, yeah, that's probably an easy way to look at what's happening. Let me show you some numbers. I want to compare April through August. That's, uh, we moved into this new facility in April. So if you compare April through August of this year with April through August of last year, let's look at these attendance numbers. Any second now. All right. There we go. You see attendance, Bible fellowship, April through August of 07, 835 in Bible fellowship, 1340 in worship. That was our average during that time period. Exact same time period this year, 1084 was the average in Bible fellowship, 1815 is the average in worship. That is pretty significant growth, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, folks, on average, if a, if a church can get 3, 4, 5% growth in a year, that's really strong. That's really positive, looking at 30-plus percent growth in both of those areas. Another area of, of looking is giving. Look at giving. Now, it says 07 and 08, but that also is for that same time period. In other words, April through August in 07, the church gave 928000 to the general budget. Same time period this year, in 2008, a little over 1.1 million. Uh, you see the, the percentage increase there, very, very large percentage increase, not quite as much as the attendance. You know, I mean, where, where does all this money go? It's about serving, ministering, reaching uh, that attendance. And so, but we do see very good growth in giving. Now look at building. 
I mean, we just got this new building and the building giving went down. Does that seem odd? Is that a negative? Well, yes and no, maybe. If you kind of think about where we are, that's kind of natural. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, a lot of you remember that in October of 2005, we came together as a church family and we made a commitment to build this building. We made a commitment to give to the building of that building. For a lot of us, that was a very significant, very sacrificial amount. A lot of us, we gave 10% of our income to the general budget, to the operation and ministry of the church in the present. And then above and beyond that, we picked out a number led by the Lord in prayer. We picked out a number that we said over the next three years, we're going to give this amount of money. Well, if you'll just fast forward now, we're coming up on one month away from having completed that three years. And a lot of folks have completed what they by faith and sacrificially committed to do. So for a lot of a lot of months there, the last couple of years, there's been this weekly, this monthly giving. Some of that is starting to slow down because the church family has completed it. They've done that. We still have great need. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me there. We have great need in the area of our building, but we're seeing a lot of that completed. And so it's kind of natural that that number is going to start to come down. Let me say this, as we've just looked at attendance and we've just looked at giving. If you're in here today and you're a part of that growth in attendance, you, you've been coming here since April of this year or June or maybe just the last couple of weeks. You're being reached. You're being ministered to. You, you feel so blessed to be a part of this place. You know what? I want you to know how that happened. There was a group of people three years ago. And, and for some of us, it was actually scary. We were believing on God like that. We were believing on God when we brought down and, and we brought down a, a little piece of paper that had a commitment of what we were going to give over the next three years. And we laid that at the altar of God. And, and there's people all across this room that were a part of that. If you're here today, I want you to know something. There was a sacrifice that made this possible. There was a big step of faith by a lot of people that made that possible. Ultimately, it's God that reaches people. But God uses people. He works through people. And I hope as you see that attendance, if you're one of those that came down in October of 05, you've been a, a part of that faith and that sacrifice. I hope you see what God is doing with it. And let me say thank you so much for that. A lot of different ways we can look at what's happening with our team. We've had 147 additions to our church since April of this year. We've seen almost 50 people baptized since April of this year. Uh, you know, numbers, like I said, numbers are exciting. They're easy to look at and communicate. That doesn't necessarily mean we're being and doing as a team what God wants us to be and do. I think of other areas that do start to communicate that. I think an area I've seen tremendous growth in the life of our church uh, in the last year is in that commitment to learn the gospel, to go out and to invite people to church, to whether they're strangers or friends, that, uh, that, that commitment to go out and share the gospel. We're seeing so many people get excited about that and be a part of that and do that. Another area we see tremendous growth is in our, in our, is in our volunteer ministries, the number of people who are serving. As a matter of fact, I've said before, so often what I hear from people who have been coming here since we moved in is they're just blown away by the volume of people who are serving and ministering all over this church. Man, there again, that's an act of sacrifice, an act of faith to, to serve, to care, to be involved with what God is doing. We've seen a great area of growth there. 
I think in our missions, we're seeing some growth, and you're going to, I'm kind of almost saying that as a, a, a form of prophecy, I think you're going to be seeing some things this fall that really show how our missions uh, is advancing. I'll tell you another area I'm real excited about is our Crestos events. Uh, if you've been here much, you're starting to get used to hearing that word. Crestos is a Greek word that means kindness. In Romans 2, 4, it talks about the kindness of God is what brings people to the gospel. And we've said as a church family, it kind of started as a summer program, but it grew and developed out of that. We want to be, as a church family, we want to be God's kindness in this community. We want to be the kindness of God in this area. And we've done that by going to police stations and feeding breakfast in between shift changes to uh, cleaning up garbage to handing out food, a wide variety of things. This Friday, you've heard, you've seen in the bulletin, we're doing a gas buy down uh, and again, cleaning up garbage up and down the boulevard. And folks, God is using this to give a very positive name for Christ and his church in this community. And you look around everywhere, the church doesn't always have a positive name. People can often think very negatively so God is using that, and we're seeing uh, some great things come from that. So, man, it's, it's been a good year for our team, hasn't it? I'm, I'm proud to be on this team, proud to be a part of this team. And you know what? God wants you to be proud. God commands that you and I are proud to be on the team. As a matter of fact, God creates a ceremony. He creates an actual event in which you and I, if you will, can put on the jersey and show our pride, our excitement to be on the team. That ceremony, that event is called baptism. I want to talk for a moment today about baptism. We're taking a little break uh, from our study of the Gospel of John. We'll be back to it next week. We're going to be looking at two I am statements from Jesus next week. But today I want to talk a little bit about baptism. You know, baptism is an, is an interesting topic. I guess the word baptism and that water up there has divided the church maybe as much, if not more, than any other issue. Whole denominations have been developed on when do you get baptized? How do you get baptized? These questions have been a major issue all throughout church history. Well, I want to do something just wild today. I mean, I figure if I'm dressed like this, come on. Here, you ready for this? Here's what I suggest we do. Let's see what God says. Wild thought, isn't it? I mean, shouldn't that be what we do when we're looking at a church issue? A family issue? A personal issue? What does God say? Now that might sound kind of strange. Well, yeah, of course, we're going to see what God says. But think about it, folks. I, I would like to suggest that I don't mean this as an accusation or a condemnation. It's just kind of reality, probably for most of us. I would imagine that when most of us were baptized, it was not because we went to Scripture and did an in-depth study of what God says about baptism, about the when we get baptized and the how we get baptized. That wasn't what guided us. We got baptized the way they did at the church we were going to. The way they told us to. It was, it was our parents. It was our religious heritage. And that's what I was told to do. I did it. And I, I, I guess that's good, right? I'm done. But folks, that, that should never be the things that are guiding how we follow Christ. We always want to know, I've done what God's talking about. I've done what God's directed. I'm following in the mode and example that Jesus has given. My goal today is just simply to, to paint a portrait of what the Scripture has to say about baptism. We're going to look at the example. 
The meaning of the word, the mode, the priority, the point. What's the point of all this? What's the point about I mean, it? It's just ceremony. You do it. And it's done. Or does scripture and God have something a whole lot more in mind with what baptism means in our life? Let's start with the example. Would you turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 13? Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Matthew chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. I hope you'll grab a copy and uh, look along. If it's not right in front of you, it should be somewhere nearby. But uh, folks, as I said, our goal today, listen to me very clearly, our goal today is not to know what Randy Hahn believes. Our goal today is not to know what Southern Baptists believe. Our goal today is to know what God says and what God wants of us. Okay, let's look at this. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 13. It says there, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice. This is my beloved son. I take delight in him. Boy, can you imagine with me just for a moment what that must have been like to be John the Baptist? You know, at this point in Jesus' adult life, he's just entering his public ministry. This is kind of the start of it right here. At this point, there are very few people who know who he is. As a matter of fact, from Scripture, all I would know that I could definitively say, this is who knows who Jesus is, would be his mother and John the Baptist. That's the only two people who probably definitively know before he's done anything, said anything. We've we've talked about the signs of Jesus in John, the I am. But he hadn't done any of that yet. Who knows he's the Messiah? Who knows this is the Son of God? His mom and John the Baptist. Now you might think as Jesus comes to be baptized that, that John is feeling pretty privileged I mean, what an exciting thing to have happened to your ministry. It can't hurt business to put on the bottom of your card, I, I baptize the Son of God. I mean, that, that just, that can't hurt. That's got to help business, shouldn't it? But you know, whatever feelings of privilege John might have felt was utterly overwhelmed by the unworthiness The humility. Who am I to be baptizing the Son of God? And he he asks what would seem to be an absolute obvious question. Shouldn't this be the other way around? I'd rather you be baptizing me. But what does Jesus say? He says, you know what, John? We need to do this because it's right. It's right. That's a real simple definition of that word righteousness. It's right. Why is it right? Why is it right For Jesus to be baptized. Does he need to be baptized to show that he's been forgiven of his sins? Of course not. He doesn't have any sins. He didn't have any before he's baptized. Didn't have any after. He never has. So that's not why it's right. Is it right? Because Jesus wants to display that that he's becoming a part of the church. No, he is the church. That's not it. Why? Why is it right for Jesus to do this? You know, if you'll study the Gospels from this moment on, 
There are two words you're going to hear Jesus say over and over and over and over. Two words. Follow me. Follow me. That's his invitation to you, to me, to the world, to the to the people we call the the New Testament. Follow me. And by going through this, he creates a place. He creates an opportunity where you and I can start doing that. And think about how easy it is to do that, because not everything we do in following Christ is easy, is it? Some of it's very hard. Some of it's gut wrenching. Some of it's very sacrificial. Some of it stings. But Jesus gives us a place in those waters of baptism where where right away I can step up, I can put on the jersey, I can say, I'm on Team Christ. It's an exciting time. It's a a ceremonious time. Right away I can say, "I, I did what He did. I'm on His team. I'm doing exactly what He did. Isn't that kind of what it's all about? Now, I want you to notice just two quick observations from the passage we just read. Notice there's a little phrase there. What verse is it? Let me look down here. Uh, Verse 16 says, after Jesus was baptized, he went up. He went up. Now, I've been working on this all week. I, I, I spent a lot of hours at the pool doing some scientific observation. And I've worked on this, folks, and I could not find a way to come up out of the water without first having done what? Go down in. I tried. I tried hard. I couldn't do it. You've got to go down into the water to come up. Is this not saying something about how he was baptized? He came up out of the water. Second observation I want to make real quickly says the father was pleased. See that passage? said so the father looked down at him and he, he said to his son, My son, I am so proud of you. You see, Jesus is not only giving us an example to follow, a, a place to begin that pursuit of living like him, but he gives us an example that is worthy. An example that, that we see definitively has the smile of heaven on it. Man, do you want to live in a way that brings the smile of heaven? Yeah. Well, Jesus says, you know what? We can start right out of the gate that way. Here's an example. Second thing let's look at is the meaning of the word. The meaning of the word. The, the, the word baptism actually is a Greek word. That's not an English word. When you say baptism, you're saying something very similar to a Greek word. The, the actual Greek word is baptizo. It means to dip or immerse or to identify with. That first idea, to dip or immerse, it means to, to plunge down, to go underneath. As a matter of fact, when we, when we blow up a ship, and I don't, I've never blown up a ship, I don't think anybody in here has, but if you've seen one blown up and it goes down to the bottom, what do we say? That is a sunken ship. You know what we say in the Greek language? That's a baptized ship. Doesn't that say something about the word? What it actually means? It goes down under. It's underneath the water. It's covered up by the water. Now, it also means to identify with. You know what? This shirt baptizes me. This shirt identifies me as being an Aggie. You may not know how deeply involved in that I am. I mean, I wear this shirt. At the very minimum, you know I'm a fan. If you've been here listening to me preach much, you know I'm a student, a former Aggie. But this shirt identifies me with that. I'm baptized by this ring. 
This ring identifies me with marriage. Well, folks, that's how the word is being used here. When I am baptized, I'm putting on Christ. I'm identifying my life with his. I'm showing that I'm with him. I belong to him. We're together. It identifies us. Now, you might think, now, gosh, going down underwater, identifying, these seems like two really different meanings to be all wrapped up under the same word. How, how do those two things come together? Well, the most common usage of the word baptism in the Greek language was in a dying process. Not dying like in the human body, but D-Y-E, like dying cloth. And they would take a piece of cloth and they would dye it, but they would say we would baptize the cloth. When I picked up this cloth, it was white, but I baptized it, I immersed it, I sunk it down into the dye, and it came up identified as a new color. It went in white, it came up red. It went in white, it came up blue. The immersion, the plunging underneath, caused a new identification. And that's how that word was used. You say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm kind of with you. But now, what does sunken ships and cloth and dye have to do with being a Christian? Why did the New Testament writers go out there and grab that word and, and bring it in here and make it such a big part of what we do? I'm glad you asked. Look at Romans chapter 6. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 6. Begin reading in verse 1. Romans chapter 6. Verse 1. We're going to go back to Matthew. Keep your finger there. <laughs> that was way too late to tell you, wasn't it? You don't have your finger there. You have to find it all over again. Verse six, Chapter 6 of Romans, verse 1. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new life. Baptism is a picture. Baptism doesn't save us. Baptism doesn't make you a completed Christian. Baptism doesn't finish the deal. That moment you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're a believer. You're saved. Baptism, I would say, chronologically speaking, should be one of the very first steps of obedience that we're going to take. But it doesn't save us. It is a picture, it is a portrait of what has happened in my life. If you take that word baptism in Romans 6 and say, and change it with the word identified. Don't you remember? Remember the question. Do you continue in sin? Man, are you crazy? What are you talking about? Don't you remember when you identified your life with Christ? Man, it was about a whole lot more than putting on a jersey. When you identified with Christ, you identified with his death. Christ died for your sin. You, you died for your sin also. Man, when I, when I trusted in Christ, Randy Hahn died. That's the picture being portrayed up there. This person is dead. We're burying him. And the person we lift up has been resurrected. It's a new life, a new person. Just as you identify with Christ in death, you have the opportunity to identify with him in life. It's an identification. Now, folks, if it's a picture, think about this. If I've not died 
to my sin, if I've not been raised into a new life with Christ, then that has no meaning. Now, I, I say that to say this as Baptists. Okay, and like I said, well, we, whole denominations are developed over this idea of baptism. As Baptists, we have this one common belief. And by the way, there's a lot of Baptist denominations out there. Some of us are actually very different. Free will Baptist, Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist, North American Baptist, Greater American Baptist. Some of these are as different as Methodist, Presbyterians, Baptists, all these. But one thing all Baptists have in common is this one belief. Believer's baptism. In other words, baptism doesn't happen as a baby. It's not a decision that, that parents make for infants. Man, parents need to be very dedicated to raising their kids in the Lord. But taking them through the waters of baptism or sprinkling them, that's not the picture that the Scripture is giving us. That child, or, or in some denominations, you reach a magic age and then you go through a class and you come out the other end and you're baptized and you're a member of the church. Whether an actual decision has been made or not. Man, folks, we want wonderful things for our kids, but just putting a ceremony on them doesn't mean anything. I may want my child to be married, but putting a ring on them doesn't make them married. Doesn't mean they will get married. Doesn't mean they have a good marriage. See, the ring has no point. I can take this ring and put it on any of my four kids. Might be neat. Might kind of be symbolic for us, but it means nothing to those four kids. And as Baptists, that's what we believe about baptism. It has no value. It has no meaning. It portrays no picture for the individual who has not made a decision for Christ. It's not picturing that death. It's not picturing that new life. We believe in believer's baptism. I was actually baptized three times. Man, I could never get it right. Yeah, my family, when I was born, my family, we were Presbyterians at that time. I was sprinkled as an infant and then, then came into, I think I was about eighth grade, I think maybe. We started going to this Southern Baptist church, came down, a, came down an aisle just like this and went back and talked with somebody. And I said, do you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins? Yes, I do. Do you believe he's the son of God? Yes, I do. Do you believe he was resurrected? Yes, I did. I did. I, I actually believed all that. But it was just kind of a body of knowledge that I agreed with. Wasn't something that was really my decision. But I answered all those questions and I was with my family. And as a family, we went through the waters of baptism. But it was an empty picture for me. I hadn't died to myself. I hadn't died to sin. I was just walking along with my family. And three years later, I did come to that understanding of the personal decision, the personal relationship, not a family decision. It's not a denominational decision. I mean, this is something between the Lord and I. And I made that decision then. Then I could put on baptism. Then it was a sign portraying what had happened in my life. Prior to that, it has no meaning. You know, it's interesting with all of this that has become so big in denominationalism. Folks, again, I just go back to the Bible it doesn't show us not one, not one single incidence of sprinkling. It doesn't show us one single incidence of an infant being baptized. What it shows us is believers going into the water of baptism. Now, remember, our question was, what does all this have to do with the Christian life? Remember what Paul's saying here? Do we continue in sin? What does Paul say? Man, don't you remember your baptism? See, folks, baptism is not a ceremony I go through and then the pastor signs a little note and he sends it to you saying, you've been baptized, here's your certificate, woo, done. No, Paul says, you know what? Remember your baptism? Remember, you died to that sin. 
See, I think what Paul's telling me as I come into church on a, on a Sunday morning and I just see the baptismal up there. Or, or maybe I come in here next Sunday and we see people baptized. Paul's saying, Randy, you remember when you were baptized? Randy, you died to lust. You died to greed. You died to selfishness. You can't keep living like that. Folks, every time we come in here and see that baptismal, it is to be a reminder to us. It is to be a challenge to us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was buried. I died to that sin. It is totally inconsistent for me to go back out there and live to sin and be dead to God. No, just the opposite. Remember when you put on the jersey? You said you were dead to sin and alive to God. Man, you've got to live like it. That's what Paul's saying here in Romans 6. See, our baptism is to have an ongoing influence in our lives. You only baptized once as a believer, but it is to have an ongoing influence in our lives. Let's think real quickly about the mode. How are we to be baptized? Boy, I'd like to answer that question by just doing a quick summary of what we've already looked at this morning. Folks, if the goal of my life is to imitate Christ, it's to follow him, it's to do what he did. How am I going to be baptized? Sounds like he went down into the water, doesn't it? Apparently, it was so important to him. That he said, John, this is the right thing to do. He purposely gave us an example to follow. How did he do it? If my goal is to follow him, how did he do it? If I'm going to make my decision on baptism based on the meaning of the word, what am I going to do? If I'm going to make my decision on baptism based on what it portrays in my life, when and how is that going to happen? You see, things, folks, I think the only really accurate biblical way to be baptized is as a believer in those waters where you are literally buried. You are plunged underneath and resurrected. To a new way of life. I know when I say that. That ruffles some folks. Maybe that's not the way or the timing. That you were baptized. You say, well, are, are, are you saying that I'm lost? No I'm not saying that. Because baptism doesn't save you. Wherever whenever it doesn't save you. Well, well are, you, are you saying I'm disobedient? Mm, I'm not sure. You know, if you were baptized as a believer, without necessarily being dunked, I don't know that I would use the word disobedient. I, I might say, you know what? It was very important to Jesus to do it a very specific way. Even though it made no sense to John the Baptist, he said, no, there's a reason for this. And, and you know what? As Scripture teaches and it unfolds and it unpacks itself, don't we always want to be in a constant state of, man, when I learn what Scripture says... What it's calling me, that's where I want to move my life to. I want to move my life to what Scripture is saying. I want to move my life to what Christ has done. So I think maybe some of us, for a whole wide variety of reasons, we ended up taking on a a, a method of baptism that maybe wasn't quite what Christ thought it was important to do. You say, well, are are, are you saying then that, uh, you know, I've got to be baptized again? Uh, You know what? I think it's a good consideration. I think it's a good consideration to be baptized like Christ was baptized. I mean, it was important to him, folks. I know I'm repeating myself utterly over and over and over, but are are you getting the point? It was important to him to set an example. Then, Then why would I do anything less than the exact example that he gave? 
But yeah, I think it's a real possibility that I want to be baptized in the way he was. Now, I would say this. I would, this is where I would talk about disobedience to a command. If your baptism happened prior to you being baptized, to being saved, then it doesn't matter how you were baptized. You can be baptized right in this one right here. And if you were not a believer, if that decision had not happened in your life, then no, you've not been baptized as the Scripture commands. Now, you know, I talk to people. Folks, I tell you what, on biblical issues, I probably talk to people about baptism more than any other single issue. And, and I get a lot of the same, the same questions. You know, well, I feel like, I, I, but Pastor, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I feel like if I do that, I almost feel like I'm denying my parents. You know, because they made a decision, they took me through something. Or I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, mocking my religious heritage, or I'm not, I'm not respecting that. But you know what, I mean, I, I am for respecting your heritage and, and honoring your parents. I think the scripture says we're supposed to honor our parents, doesn't it? But, but can I say one other thing? Jesus didn't say, follow your parents. And Jesus didn't say, follow your religious heritage. Jesus said what? Follow me me and i've heard people say well you know what if i go through those waters i mean man i've been a believer i've been a believer for 17 years i've been a believer for for for, for three years whatever number and i just feel like if if i go through those waters people are going to think that i just became a believer they're going to think that i was insincere that i was and i'm going through this now because i was insincere when i did that back there no i don't think you're saying anything about being insincere or that not being real or that not being important to you I think what you're saying is, you know what? Open God's word. I understood what it said. And I said, you know what? I can do this better. Because I don't want to kind of do what Jesus did. I want to do what Jesus did. And I guess I would finish this morning on that point right there. And that's, that's this question. What is, what is the point? What, what, what is the point in all this? Folks, I think when you and I enter the waters of baptism as a believer... There's no way an infant can do this. There's no way that an unbeliever can do this. When we enter those waters of baptism as a believer, I've got an opportunity in that moment, in that pool of water, to set an attitude and an agenda in my life. See, I'm going into that water saying, you know what, here's the attitude of my life. I want to do everything Christ did. I want to follow him and be just like he was. My agenda is to do what he did. So see, folks, I don't want to kind of do what he did. I want to do exactly what he did. Imitating Christ. Imitating Christ. That's the point. Imitating him. One last thing. I already said one last thing. I hate when speakers say one last thing, and they really have two. But I just forgot a point. I really want to get it in. Matthew 28. Flip back there real quickly. Besides, I told you we were going back to Matthew. I don't want to lie. Matthew 28. Speaker says one last point, and you get your purse up and start getting ready, and goes on for ten more minutes. Oh, rip off! I want my money back. Matthew twenty-eight. Look at verse nineteen. Matthew twenty, verse nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. See that word "go." The best way to translate that verbally in the original language is as you're going. 
as you go to school this week, as you go to work tomorrow, ah, we're not going to work tomorrow, praise the Lord. Um, as you go into this week, as you go out with your friends, as you go to practice, as you live, as you go into your life as a follower of Christ, you've got one dominant command on your life. Make disciples. You know when Jesus said this? Right before he rose into heaven. He's got his believers there. Here's one last thing. This is the last thing I want you in my physical form standing right in front of you talking. This is what I want to leave you with above all else. Go as you go. Make disciples. And how do I do that? That's a long verse here, but there's only two verbs. There's only two actual ways we make disciples. One, we baptize. Two, we teach. Teaching kind of summarizes the, the gospel and the preaching and the teaching and the living of the word of God. That baptizing them is a process of going out and witnessing and basically bringing people to the place where they say, you know what, I want to put on the jersey. I, I, I want to be a part of Team Christ. Folks, you know what, it's not Baptist who've made baptism central to things. It's God. God's put it right here in our marching orders the focus of our lives is to make disciples. And he goes a little further and says, and ultimately that means you're bringing people and seeing people go into those waters right there. It's to be a dominant thought as you go. The dominant thought in my life this week as I go to work, as I go to school, as I go to play, as I go to practice is how do I join God in seeing people go through those waters? You know why? Because that's the place where they began saying, I just want to do what he did. I want to imitate him. Now, folks, we're going to conclude our service now. I don't want anybody leaving. Could you please just hang with me just for another, another couple of minutes? Because this, I think, is a very sacred, special moment that we're going into. I, I don't think I've ever said this as we go into a time of invitation. I'm going to say it now. I believe a lot of people need to come forward today. And a lot of people did at 930. I don't know what God wants to do at 11 o'clock. But I believe a lot of people need to respond as they've heard God's word taught today. If you haven't heard God's word taught, you do not need to respond. Don't respond to me. You respond because God has spoken. Because God is speaking to you now. Who needs to come forward today? Folks, remember, this is the point, following Christ. Who needs to come forward today? You know how we end our services. Maybe this is your first time here. We're going to stand and sing in a second. And the congregation will be singing. And there'll be, there'll be pastors down here. And they're ready to receive you. Receive me? Why does somebody need to receive me? Because you've been invited. It's an invitation. Who needs to come forward today? There are people in this room. You don't have a jersey. You're, you're not on Team Christ. You know that. You know that as you sit here right now. I, I'm pretty confident I've not been forgiven of, of my sins. I'm pretty confident I don't have eternal life. I'm pretty confident I don't have this relationship with Christ. Folks, if that's you today, I... I do not know what kind of legitimate reason would be for saying that's something for later. I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go home. The invitation to Christ has come. Come now. Come follow me. And we're going to start right there in those waters of baptism. If you've never come into a relationship with Christ, I want to invite you today to come forward. Let us pray with you. We'll talk with you. We'll answer questions and explain what that looks like and what that means. There's others in this room today who you're not a member of a church. Or you're a member of a church, but it's a church you hadn't been to in a while and you don't plan on going back. That, that, that's not really where you're representing your being on the team. Folks, I, I keep using this team illustration. 
And you got good teammates and you got bad teammates. Anybody got good teammates that you never see? Anybody got good teammates that are way out on the fringes, kind of want to keep the relationship kind of loosey-goosey, not really very formal? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense in Scripture either. When we join a church, we're to be a part of the team. Not, it's not from kind of out on the sides. We say, you know what? I'm here. I belong here. I'm a part of the big C because of Jesus Christ. And now I feel like he's leading me to be involved and join here in the little C, Colonial Heights Baptist Church. Do you need to show that you're a member somewhere? I invite you to come forward today. Now, as I talk about that person, there's people in this room. I think there is every Sunday because it's always been this way in my ministry. There's people who are hesitant about church membership because a big question in their life has been those waters. Man, you joined that Baptist church, you got to get baptized. Let me say what I just said. If you've heard God speak today, then I hope that's been cleared up for you. Don't, don't let those waters be while you remain out on the fringe. Don't let those waters be while you want to kind of be loose. Man, I don't want to be loose. I want to do it exactly like Jesus did. I want to show what team I'm on. I want to be proud. I want, I want to take that next step. If that's you, come forward today. And here, here's what I would like to do. Here's what I'm asking for you the opportunity to do. If you'll come forward today, would you make the commitment also to be here next week at 11 o'clock and meet me in those waters because I want to baptize you. I'm going to baptize at 9.30. I'm going to baptize at 11 o'clock. And I want you to join me and do this. Matter of fact, let me tell you somebody else, they don't necessarily need to come forward today. Do you know we have over 50 people on our baptism list? Uh, some of them joined last week. Some of them joined a year ago. You know, got to get that scheduled. Want to make sure family can get... I understand that. I scheduled mine. What's the point? The point's not a schedule. The point is following Him. The point's following Him. If you need to be baptized, whether you need to come forward today or you've already come forward, if you need to be baptized, will you be here next Sunday at 11 o'clock? Matter of fact, everybody comes down today. Maybe you've already joined. You don't need to come down. But at the end of this service, we're gonna, I've got a one-sheet piece of paper we're going to hand out telling you exactly what you knew to be prepared for next week. Because we're going to baptize a lot of folks. And you know what? If you're sitting right now saying, would you shut up and let me come forward? I'm ready to go. Let me tell you something. God bless you. Because you're challenging the rest of us to remember, hey, wait a minute, I took a step. I took a step to follow. I took a step. I dedicated my life to imitating him. And you know what? As you come today, we're not thinking about your insincerity or whether you really became a Christian or why are you doing that now? As you come today, we're saying, oh, praise God, remind me. Remind me of when I came forward. Remind me of when I was baptized and I identified my life with Christ. Do you need to come today? Don't think about it. Don't pray about it. I only say that when God's already spoke. As we stand and as we sing, you come. Come right now. Take that step and come.